Welcome back to Let's Talk on NGHD. Today I'm with Rich Ferdinand. And... I'm prolific, so gifted. I'm the type that's gonna go get it. No kidding. Breaking down a switch in front of your building. Sitting on the steps, feeling no feelings. Last night it was a cold killer. You gotta keep the devil in his hole. Tell us a little bit about you. I know that you're um, very financially financial literate. And is that a skill that uh, you learned on your own? Is that something that you learned from your parents? Is that <clears throat> something you learned from a mentor? Just tell us a little bit about it. All right, yeah, so my name is Rich, Rich Faraday. Um, Sorry, you just had two questions there, right? Yeah. So one, you know, you wanted to know a bit about myself and uh, second thing, you know, something you've noticed in me is, you know, I attempt to be as financially literate as I can. So I'll answer the first question. Um, yeah, so a bit about myself, um, I'm based out of Edmonton, Alberta in Canada for um, our international listeners, okay? Um, born and raised in the USA and came to Canada, okay? And uh, at this current moment, I'm 20 years old and uh, pursuing an engineering degree. So that's a bit about myself. Yeah, so that's a bit about myself and now we'll speak a bit about financial literacy um you know it's an interesting topic because when when you're living in a world that we're living in right now right so you know for me and john we're living in north america you're you're almost uh you're almost hypnotized by uh society to just spend a lot of money right um you know you know for women and even for men, you want the latest fashion, the latest phone, um, the latest laptop, the latest technologies, right? All of that costs money. And uh, living in an age where, you know, fast food, you know, people will go to fast food, you know, very, very frequently, but, you know, you're spending $20, you know, for a burger and some fries, right? And then you do that again and again and again. And, uh, you know, if you do some quick maths, you got $20 a day, you know, for most students, they go to school five days a week, right? So that's $100 in a week, right? And then, you know, let's say 52 weeks in a year, that's $5,000, right? And, you know, just that statement right there, I guess, is why, you know, John himself said that I attempt to be as financially literate as I can, because, you know, in my mind, it doesn't make sense to spend that kind of money right um but as i said i feel like it's just instilled in us you know from societal norms right um and then we talk about phones and stuff like that in my head i don't think you know upgrading from an iphone 11 pro to an iphone 12 pro makes sense when you when you bought you know your iphone 12 pro or sorry your iphone 11 pro for fifteen hundred dollars you go and trade it in to Apple, they, they said they'll give you $650 just for you to buy another iPhone for the same $1,500, you know? You, you see that that loss there, and it's just continuous, continuous. So in my mind, right, in terms of financial literacy, I think to myself, can I actually sacrifice this money? What is this money going to do for me? If I go and buy this McDouble, is that, is that going to benefit me? Or is that going to hurt me? Is there a better way? To, you know, to 
I guess, keep the nutrients in my body and still have, you know, some reserve money left over. Again, you know, I'm assuming that most of the listeners right now don't think that way, but I do. And I guess that's, that's, that's why I'm financially literate per se, because I think about every dollar, every expense. Mm-hmm. So, right. um, so with financial literacy, there is investments, there is savings, um, and then there is being cheap. I don't necessarily think that being cheap is being financially literate, but with your explanation, the way that you're, that you think, um, every single thing that you do is for a purpose. So what type of investment that you have that per se that the audience would not probably not think of, but it's very easy to just start and maybe start a business and start a side hustle that can turn into a big thing that you've tried for yourself. Um, okay. Um, I guess let's speak about being cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just that phrase. It's kind of funny. Just that phrase. Oh, you're being cheap. That's that's just another thing that's been, you know, in, just engraved in us since we mm-hmm. were young. Or this one is just being cheap because he doesn't want to go out for dinner every week, 52 weeks in a year. Which is actually a smart decision not to go frequently to dinners and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a fine line where, you know, you save, you're cheap in the moment, but in the long run, it's for a purpose. Some people just like, they're scared of taking that risk of just like spending that dollar, you know? They're, yeah. they're scared of just like starting some new thing. So that's what I necessarily mean by being cheap, not that, well, you know? You know, you gotta think about this. Let's speak from, you know, a father-son standpoint or even a mother-daughter, mother-son standpoint. So parent parent to, to, the ch- to the child. You know, the child in their mind would think, oh, mommy and daddy doesn't want to go out for dinner. They're being cheap. Oh, mommy and daddy don't want, you know, to buy this phone for me. They're being cheap. But... You know, again, I'm not saying it's instilled in us from a young age that being cheap is not, or being cheap means to not spend. Um, you have to understand, you know, we live in a world where, at least here in Canada, minimum wage is $15 an hour, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, think of, if you think of things from this perspective, and this perspective I'm about to lay out is um, for every dollar you spend, Think to yourself, how much time does it take to actually make that money? Okay. Um, from the parent's standpoint, they're thinking to themselves, what I'm about to lay out to you. Okay. I'm out here going grocery shopping with my children. Okay. I got to keep a budget for myself because we're about to spend $150 in groceries. Okay. How long does it take me and my wife to make that money? Now let's say let's say your parents are making nineteen dollars an hour, okay? And this is this is for you know this is for you know the the parents that are obviously aren't making a ton of money. Their salary is about forty thousand, maybe fifty thousand dollars a year, okay? We're spending a let's, we're spending a hundred dollars in groceries. Let's you're working nineteen hours. They're nineteen dollars an hour, so one hundred dollars. Let's just divide it by 19. Okay? What is that number? $5.26. Five hours. 
Oh, okay. takes, you're talking about the hours. Okay. It takes five hours mm -hmm. to make that money, right? Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to just lay out is that if you think of it from that perspective, every time you go out and you actually calculate how much of your time it took for you to finally, you know, receive, you know, this, uh, this, uh, this object, this, this, uh, thing of desire, you, you probably reconsider, you know, the amount you're spending because now you're switching, you know, the thought of, oh, I'm only spending this amount of money to, oh, this is the amount of hours so now that I have to spend to actually get this product. And this is and this is from like you know I'm I'm talking like you know the poor to the middle class, right? Yeah, which is which makes perfect sense because when you're in business, when you become an entrepreneur, you think about opportunity cost. Do I spend my money on this burger, or can I use that money to make an investment towards something else? Which is gonna lead us to like the next question that I asked you earlier, which is. What, basically what he's saying is about opportunity cost, like the hours that you're working, is it worth it to work that hard to just spend it like for no reason, not for no reason, but you know, the reason might not be as valuable as you could have spent that dollar to something else. But continue to your point. Okay. Point. Let's say, let's say, let's say I might want to get very mathematically, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to explain this in, in, ter in terms of math right now. I think everyone would agree. Uh, I, I won't say I'm guilty of this per se, but obviously, you know, you want the nicest products. When, the, when a new Apple product is released, okay, I brought up earlier that you for an iPhone 11 Pro, new was $1,500, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's start off with that. And we're going to be talking about from a student perspective, um, you know, someone working a minimum wage job. Mind you, we're in Canada, okay? So $15, okay? So you buy a phone for $1,500, okay? Mm -hmm. You work $15 an hour, okay? So let's, let's do that division. 1,500 divided by 15 equals 100, okay? It's 100 hours of your time, of your time to get that device, okay? You want to spoil yourself for, you know, one time. But let, let's say you do this again next year. But now let's actually add in the cost of uh, trade it in. So you trade in your device, okay? So when you trade in your device, they're gonna give you fifth or from the fifteen hundred dollars you spent originally one year ago, they're gonna give you seven hundred fifty dollars, okay? Actually, no, let's change that six hundred fifty dollars. That's what they, they they would normally give you for an iPhone, for for a generation behind device, okay? So once they give you that six hundred fifty dollars. You just lost $850. Correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. And now you lost $850. So that $850 was divided by the $15 an hour, right? 56 out, that equals 56, by the way, 56.6. So let's actually round that up to 57. 57 hours of your time was just thrown away to, to what? Benefit Apple. They just took 57, 57 hours of your time. Right, and they're just gonna pocket it and just take that device that you just traded in, and you know do whatever they gotta do to make money off of it. Okay, and then let's let's not even stop there. Afterwards, you're gonna go and buy another fifteen hundred dollar device. Okay, so fifteen hundred. Okay, you know let's divide that by the fifteen dollars an hour again. That's a hundred hours. 
if they only give you back $650, right? You could do the math. You could see, you know, you're, you're losing money. And if you look at it from the hours perspective, I'm sure most of you would be like, wow, 56 hours, that's a lot of, that's a lot of hours mm -hmm. to work straight up for that. And that's the perspective that I view things from. And then you do this year after year after year. And obviously, this is just an example. But we do this all the time, right? And, Definitely. Yeah. And, and it's just something that, you know, in our generation, right? So the, the 20th century generation, the 21st century generation, you know, as they, you know, as these, uh, the, these youths start to grow up, that's just what we're living in. And mm -hmm. they see this as the norm. So what is a alternative solution to spending money, right, number one? And also, what have you done to also make that extra income that is missing in your life? Well, you know, it, it's not really about the extra income per se. It's about the ability to not spend a tremendous amount, the ability to understand wants versus needs, right? It's okay mm -hmm. to want something. We all want something, right? And to want something and to have the financial, the, the, the financial asset, you know, to be financially backed up to be able to, you know, afford what you want to afford, that, that's one thing. And, you know, if you're if you're if you're someone making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, obviously then you could justify you could justify spending more money than someone that makes fifty thousand dollars a year, mm -hmm. right? Um, but you know, let's be real. If you're making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, you're probably financially literate, so you wouldn't be doing the things that someone does when they're only making fifty thousand dollars a year. Right. So mm -hmm. I, in my in my opinion, from my perspective, it's about understanding cash flow and what's actually going into your account and what is coming out. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and then viewing alternatives like, you know, you have an iPhone. I'm using Apple as a big example here, but let's say device. You have a device that you bought last year. Let's say the battery health. So the battery health is a measurement of the degradement of, you know, the physical battery in your in your phone, let's say the battery health is like 95%. You know, once the battery gets below 85%, that's when you, you have to change it because you're gonna have performance issues. But if you're just buying the device, it serves all your purpose, right? You know, we're looking at the 11 Pro versus the 12 Pro. The only difference between the 11 Pro and the 12 Pro, quite honestly, is that the 12 Pro has 5G. You know, is that, does it make sense to spend that money to upgrade? and you know lose money and lose time out of your life for what you know to flex i suppose in front of your friends this and that mm -hmm. so you know again from my perspective it's like it's just the decision right the, the understanding that you're not you're not you're not rich right yeah and if you look at rich people if they choose to you know make the, those decisions you know spend spend enormous amount of money their their definition of enormous amount of money is very different from you know the poor man's or the middle class definition of a lot of money mm -hmm. right and a bigger thing is that when you start looking at you know figures with a ton of money 
when you see them spending tons of money, right? Maybe on social media or whatnot, you're going to see them spending quote unquote tons of money on, on you know, designer clothes and all this and that. But behind the scenes, what you're not seeing is them spending a ton of money on their craft, whether that be investments or, um, you know, let's say musical artists like Drake, so on their craft to become better, or everyone here knows Conor McGregor. You know, quick story, Conor McGregor in the past, uh, he never used to, you know, train his mind, train his soul, things of that sort. He never used to put money into that, right? He was just a, he was a, he was a fighter who was making good money and just kind of lived life until he, he'd heard about LeBron James' story where LeBron James spends $1 million a year a year, $1 million on perfecting himself, his mind, his soul, his training, all of that stuff. He spends a million dollars a year to do that so he could be yeah. better in his sport. So, and wait, 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 Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor does this now. He spends a million dollars a year to, to perfect himself, to get better. But why does he do that? He spends that million dollars a year, which is, which is a huge sum of money, a million dollars a year. So he could be a better fighter, and when he becomes a better fighter, what does that, what does that do for him afterwards? It creates more income for him. So it's not more like being cheap. So it's not about being cheap, but it's more like what you're spending your money in. Like I was saying about opportunity cost, right? So I can just define opportunity cost real quick for the people, which is literally what uh, Google, you know. Define it as it is the loss of potential gain from other alternative when one alternative is chosen. So literally an opportunity cost, like a simple way to like explain it and understand it is what you're giving up for versus what you're getting back. Right? So an opportunity cost, like um, let's take cars for example. Um not cars. Let me take a more concrete example. You going to school yeah. versus you going to work. Okay. Right? Yeah. The opportunity cost of you going to work would be leaving the knowledge you're getting from school. But you could also take that as also the opportunity cost of going to school is you leaving the money that you could have been getting from work. Yeah. You see? I understand. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that, that is the example <laughs> thing. So, like, now to get to my point, I was saying literally what you're getting at is what you're spending your money on like you should be really really careful on what you're this is a very very like general way of simplifying what you just said because what you yeah. just said is very complex right but what you're giving up for you could invest it in yourself to get a greater returns because a lot of people like forget about investing in themselves right yeah. Yeah. like reading a book working out that's all you investing in yourself some other people might be like i'm not gonna spend that money on me, but they're willing to spend on like some other like foolishness, right? But when you invest in yourself, the opportunity cost is a lot greater. Uh, the returns that you get is a lot greater. So which brings it back to what are the forms, what are the um, ways that you've created for yourself to, you know, okay. be in the long run, maybe in the short term you're losing, but in the long run and the success that you've had so far with those things that you've created for yourself. So let's just dive in a little bit more into it. Okay. So I, it's just a quick summary for you guys. My viewpoint is, you know, 
to be financially literate is quite honestly in just a few words the money that you put into whatever you decide to spend your money in is there going to be a return and if there's not going to be a return are you doing are you putting money to something that's not going to give you a return very frequently if you're looking at your sources of income right versus your expenses if you're looking at the, your income and your expenses are your expenses getting very close to the to the amount of income that you're receiving and those expenses or any of those expenses returning any money for you now if you say virtually none of your expenses generates a return for you and that your expenses is pretty much at your income or you know winning 10 percent of it then there's a problem okay? a big problem huge problem now in terms of what i've done obviously at 20 years old um there's not a ton to do or right, let's just change that there's there's a there's a world of knowledge that needs to be attained to do something that's very educationally informed to generate a large amount of income i i believe everyone could agree with that um obviously though we live in a world where information is everywhere you can find virtually anything you want in the world just going on the internet going to google and doing your thing right reading books all of this and that so what i have done is you know when i was younger i was 17 i was selling cars but not from what you guys are thinking at a dealership or anything i was selling cars um so i was selling physical assets buying them for you know what i viewed as low prices so you know when i was starting off young early you know fifteen hundred dollar cars right and selling them for you know close to double what i what i paid for them right and that was my way of generating income right that did generate income for me so my huge expenses me dropping fifteen hundred dollars on a vehicle if we just talk about you know the fixed amount of money i was spending that's a huge amount I saved up $3,000 working during the summer and I spent 50% of it on a vehicle. But that vehicle, it was a huge expense. But that expense later turned into an asset once it made me another $1,500. To some to, to students that I had in my school, the $1,500 they were spending was on the latest iPhone. And I guess at the time, I believe it was the iPhone XS Max. That was their $1,500 investment. Now they're trying to sell them for, you know, $600, right? Huge loss. Didn't make anything. So if you wanted to know what I did when I was younger, I was selling cars. I was selling physical assets, making trying to make money off of that. Mm -hmm. And um, So what was the largest amount that you've made from selling cars? Largest amount I've made from selling a car? Um, close to $5,000 on a deal. That's close profit. 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 So profit. net total is how much? 8000 net total. So you can see, uh, and you know, once you become experienced in whatever field you're in, you're gonna you're gonna come home with a home run, you know, here and there, right? Because I'll tell you right now, I've, well, I've only lost money on a car once, but I lost money on a car. I lost fifteen hundred dollars on a car once, fifteen hundred dollars on an investment. But if you take everything into perspective, if you take the amount of money that I've made off selling cars. Selling physical assets and the amount of money I've lost selling physical assets, I've probably made more than more than nine grand off of selling physical assets. So 
right? And I've only lost 1,500. Mm -hmm. So if you net that, you see you're at 7,500, mm -hmm. right? Or more than that. Yeah. So, so, so that was the largest profit. What is the biggest purchase you've made? Biggest purchase? Mm -hmm. Biggest purchase. Mind you, I'm still starting. I'm still small. I was small time with this, obviously. Um, but my biggest purchase was a $6,000 guy, mm -hmm. which I turned around and only made $200 off of. Because there's highs and lows. And mm -hmm. that was definitely low because then we're living in COVID-19. That brings me to another point. Now we're kind of moving away from financial literacy from, I guess, the scope of it, from the very bottom and what it is to what you could do to develop it. What I did that was kind of wrong was uh, I focused on one source of income instead of trying to find and develop. Let's actually change that. Instead of, instead of developing multiple streams of income, right? Because I was one-sided. I, I saw a huge opportunity in selling vehicles, and I did it. And, you know, there's going to be highs and lows, but when the lows hit, the lows hit. And mm -hmm. that's for whatever you're trying to make money from. And Stocks, bonds, yeah, whatever it is. I can, I can confirm and attest to that because when you're doing an investment, right, most people like that are not financially literate. I've actually teach a lot of like people about stocks and this is their initial response, right? So you talk to them about it. So they think, oh, I'm going to get rich overnight. That's the mentality that they get into it with, but they don't get into it with the mentality of that's me working with what I have now to ensure a future tomorrow. And by tomorrow, I'm not talking about literally tomorrow. I'm talking about like, two, three, four, five years from now on, right? Um, still live below your means and prepare for the future, you know? Uh, there's a saying, let me see if I remember it correctly. Uh, prepare, um, man, I, I forgot it. It's, it. It goes along the line, like, if you prepare, right, mm -hmm. you'll never be disappointed because you prepare when the opportunities come. You're there to catch it. And that's mm -hmm. where some people might be like, oh, that person got lucky. But you've actually been working like 10, 5, 6 years for that opportunity that you, you know, you were just preparing for it. When mm -hmm. it comes, you don't miss it. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So some people might see your skill as, oh, you've been very lucky with the deals you've, got, you've been getting. But that's actually false. It's you've been preparing for those opportunities. Yeah. So. Yeah. But that's just one one example of you know making money. That was just what I did personally when I was younger. Also, elaborate on the different streams of income for the people that still you know that. This is a this is going to be a very interesting topic because obviously I'm young, right? So I'm not going to be speaking from experience. Rather, I'll be speaking from you know the knowledge that I've gained you know through books or through. I suppose videos of very successful people, example Grant Cardone, or I mean Ty Lopez, but you know he's just trying to sell you things. But here and there, he'll give you some great insights. Mm -hmm. If you were to search up right now, the highest paying, the highest paying undergraduate degrees, you'll find the answer to be petroleum engineer, right? Petroleum engineer, and they're going to pay you a maximum of $180,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's what it is. 
Now, if you try to look at, you know, graduate degrees and stuff like that, it's always going to be in the medical field, right? Always. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be like, a, to be a surgeon, and uh, to be a surgeon and your salary as a surgeon is going to be approximately $250,000, $350,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it depends where you are in the world, but that's what it is. But, you know, let's think, let's put this into perspective. We have millionaires in the world, billionaires. They didn't get become millionaires and billionaires by becoming, you know, a doctor or becoming, you know, an engineer or any of that stuff, right? Some of them may have those degrees. Some of them may have that education, but that's only one source of their income. They have another source of income. Generally, some type of income that's uh, that's passive, that just generates money for them as they're sitting down doing pretty much nothing after after they built up this 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 income. An example an example could be stocks. Uh, we moved into a world where we're dealing with cryptocurrency, right? Those are some examples. But we also got some physical assets such as uh, income from you know rental properties. Um, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. So that's the point I'm trying to get across is that you never become rich off of one source of income. Mm-hmm. It's virtually impossible. Even the CEO of Amazon, I highly, highly doubt that he became a billionaire. Actually, let me change that. Actually, no, no I'm going to continue this time. Mm-hmm. He became a billionaire from Amazon per se alone. What he did was within Amazon, He's got he's got uh, he's got connections to FBA sellers. So mm-hmm. if you want to put this into perspective, it's, he's generating passive income per se because he's got connections with literally thousands of FBA sellers mm-hmm. that are making him money. Yeah. Right. And not only that, he's also diversified from just selling books to becoming this big thing called Amazon. Right. Yeah. You know, Mike, you can almost buy a car from Amazon, not legitly, but like you know. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. So here I am. I'm just speaking of multiple streams of income. And, and you know, for Jeff, in his case, I got a Mr. Bezos. Um, I'm calling Jeff because I'm not a billionaire yet. But one day I'll be able to refer to him as, as just Jeff. But just Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you look at him, his multiple streams of income was uh, facilitated through Amazon by having connections with multiple sellers. Mm-hmm. That made him money, thousands of sellers, and he, all he does he sits down, let them sell on his platform, and he makes money. So and he carries on. So for 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 the average listener, right, that like most of the people that listen to me, they're from between the age from you know eighteen to forty four, right? Okay. Some of them are real estate agents, other ones they own businesses. Sure. And for the vast majority of them are just university students, right? And as the university students listening, so now the question that you should be asking yourself is how am I gonna generate those passive income? And by asking yourself this question, you're actually wiring I say wiring, wiring your brain to think like with a different pattern than you're normally used to. You're Pushing your brain to actually think and come with the solution of how you're gonna generate that passive yeah, income. I agree. So yeah. 
I'm going to tell you right now, I am no expert in this. And to get mentors, mentors who are quite honestly successful, cost a lot of money. But here's something that maybe some of you know, some of you don't know. These mentors, you can find a mentorship, quite honestly, through books. That's what you could do. And also with the podcast movement, too, there's so many free knowledge. While you're driving, instead of listening to music, you train yourself to listen to maybe a podcast a day or 30 minutes of a podcast a day. Whatever whatever your method is mm -hmm. for gaining that knowledge. But from my experience, where you gain the most knowledge is by reading. And it's, it's something that it's, it's really sucks. Because when almost everyone, not everyone, but most people, when they're young, you know, you had your elementary teacher telling you, okay, guys, time to read. Everyone's like, oh, I don't want to read. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this and that. And, you know, that hinders you. Because obviously, you know, even to go to university, and let's say you haven't been in high school for a while. When you're going to go into university, they're going to make you take an English proficiency test. They want to know what is your English language arts skills like. Mm -hmm your essay writing skills quite honestly you understanding how to write essays understanding english right it is the most important thing in the world and studies have shown that there's a direct correlation with reading and being able to write and you know uh, comprehend comprehend uh you know what you're reading better and all of that now now, as I'm telling you, the biggest, the biggest way or the, the greatest way to gain knowledge and attaining passive income or whatever it may be is by reading. You would have done that when you're young. Mm -hmm. You kill two birds with one stone. You're attaining the knowledge that you need young. And at the same time, you're becoming a better essay writer, all this and that, that ultimately gets you into university. And right? there's, there's a movement, right? It's called millennial money. Mm -hmm. We're super young. Like, we are in a world where we have so many opportunities, knowledge, like free knowledge, you know, that we have a phone in our hands, which is like a big computer, right? Yeah. That yeah. has access to this internet that has so many, like, things that you can access to, right? Yeah. So, yeah. we're young. By us starting now, where we can be in the future, 10 years from now on, is a lot further than what our parents, grandparents, and other peers of ours are going to be if we start right now, you know? Correct. And that's why it's really important to, like, go find and seek that knowledge and applying it. Okay. Reading is all cool and fun when you're just reading. But it's a lot better when, let's say you read a page a day and actually apply that the things that you've learned from that page, it's a lot better than just finishing a whole book, right? So also the method that you try to learn and try to read is important. Engagement. You want to engage with the with all what you're reading. Mm -hmm. Now speaking of that, some recommendations I would have with all time, all time number one, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki, yes. Yeah. Um, another book, some of you may know it, may not know it, but it's called Millionaire Fastlane. Mm -hmm. um i believe i believe the author's name was dj dj something dj something um 
Uh, let me say that again. Millionaire Fastlane. Mm -hmm. Okay. Think and Grow Rich is another very good book. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, Millionaire Fastlane was by MJ DiMarco. DiMarco. Yes, DiMarco. MJ DiMarco. Okay. There's also, there's also again, Think and Grow Rich. And uh, here's another book that I really, really want to emphasize for people to read. Two of them. Um, one's by Robert Greene, and this is not necessarily about making money per se, but um, becoming fearless. Mm -hmm. And it's the fiftieth law. The book is called The Fiftieth Law by Robert Greene at Fifty Cent. Yes, surprisingly, Fifty Cent. Quick backstory: He was shot seven times. He was in the ghetto, and now he's rich. That's all I'm going to say on that. And then the other book I wanted to talk about is Total Recall by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, mm -hmm. I hope I'm saying his last name correctly. And also. Uh, Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter by 50 Cent. This book for someone that's young that want to get started into entrepreneurship mindset. Yeah. That book, it gives you like some bomb ass knowledge. Correct. That is, I think it's almost essential yeah. for a young entrepreneur to know about those things. Yeah. Um. And let me actually speak about Total Recall by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know. I think you're, I think you're butchering his last name. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you try to say his last name by just reading it out. Schwarzenegger. Arnold. Let's call him Arnold. Okay. <laughs> okay. Or the Terminator. Let's call him the Terminator. Arnold the Terminator. Um, he was a bodybuilder when he was young. You know, he he grew up in in Europe, right? And, you know, I believe he eventually find, found his way into America. And he had the, I, I suppose, the, the most successful, um, success, the greatest success, success ratio towards failures that I've ever seen um, in terms of, you know, actually completing the goals that he set for himself. He wanted to be the world's greatest. Mm -hmm. I, I would like to object. Don't forget Elon Musk when you're talking about like the greatest oh, okay. success ratio, but okay. Go on. But we were looking at Arnold. He 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 wanted to be the world's greatest bodybuilder. And what did he do? He trained. He wasn't motivated. He was disciplined. He trained. He fought hard and he did it. Okay. So would you choose discipline over motivation? Oh, hold up, hold up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let me continue on. After he was done all that, he later wanted to become an actor, right? And all these, all these, uh, I guess, um, all these people, you know, in the, in the Hollywood industry was like, Arnold, an actor? No, you're too big. Your accent is too, is too thick. No one's going to ever understand you. And then now he, he created, or he, he was part of the Terminator, but playing the main role. And probably one of the most successful movies ever. Mm -hmm. Right? After all of that, we're talking about a huge 260-pound guy. Just made of pure lean muscle, who was a bodybuilder, greatest bodybuilder ever. He then became the governor of California. The governor, he set that goal for himself to now become the governor of California, and he did it. He did it, right? So when I when I speak of you know success to failure ratios, I mean he set out some some very difficult goals, not not simple goals, very very difficult goals, becoming the world's greatest bodybuilder, you know. Becoming an actor and a successful one at that, and then becoming a governor of the biggest state in America. 
very successful man. Now, if you read the book Total Recall, he goes into depth in all of this and, you know, his life. And, you know, the book per se is not about essentially getting rich, but, you know, pursuing your goals and having discipline as opposed to motivation and how you can instill in yourself that discipline, right? So that's that's kind of what mm-hmm. I got for that. Well, um, I wish we could talk a little bit longer and uh, share some more knowledge, you know, but the time is getting tight yeah thank you for coming today appreciate you um hopefully we can do more of these in the future together in collaboration and uh thank you for listening and by the way i just want to conclude a little bit uh with everything that we talked about today for uh those people that like to skip through the podcast (laughs) you know it's uh we talked a lot about you know being disciplined motivation and tapping in into the entrepreneurship mindset. Anything you want to add? I guess I suppose we're mostly talking about financial literacy per se. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess John talked about motivation and all that. Maybe we need to talk directly about it, but it could all correlate because you need to have the motivation and bigger than that, the discipline to actually become financially literate and to start developing ways to become financially literate by changing habits and such. So that's that's what that is. Mm-hmm. And uh, quick conclusion, um, summary of the books that I listed, I listed is Total Recall, you know, where Arnold, the Terminator, you guys should all understand that. Um, the 50 of Law by 50 Cent and Robert Greene. Um, the Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DiMarco. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Okay. And Which then- is a book I recommend for like everybody that asks me about stocks, right? I was tell them, <laughs> go with Rich Dad. Uh, part of by Robert Kiyosaki, get into the mindset because it's not about learning how to invest. It's more learning about understanding the thing that you're investing in. Once you have a proper understanding in the companies that you're investing in, you know, it's a lot easier for you to like have high conviction. But anyway, like I said, thank you for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. You know I got you on my mind. I gotta stay alive with you, you know I get high with you, say we gotta live like you, but we only got time with you, we only got time, I give you my life, I'm still with my son, so see you at night, just remember baby, oh yeah, I go ghost in the ghost, it's a trip, this a toast to my bros that will load up the clip, if my niggas will keep it equipped.